0: It's On The Job, the podcast, all about making your working life better. Francis Leach with you. Hope your year has started well and welcome back to our summer series where we uh, have a listen back to some of the conversations we had in 2022 that are worth revisiting. One of those was around the issue of food banks and the fact that more and more working Australians uh, and those without jobs are having to ask for help when it comes to basically having a meal, putting food on their table, many more than anyone could have expected in a time when unemployment is notionally at its lowest level in years. How can that be the case? Well, with the scourge of of insecure work and not enough hours and the way that we measure unemployment, there are sort of, the raw unemployment data doesn't tell the real picture about how hard workers are actually doing it. So I was lucky enough to head out to uh, Food Bank, uh, one of Australia's largest food relief organisations, and sit down with Matt Tilly. You might know Matt. He had a very, very successful career as a radio broadcaster, breakfast DJ on a number of big stations before he sort of pivoted in his career to become the CEO at Food Bank in Victoria, doing amazing work, making sure that working people get what they need to get through another day and another week. What they really need actually is good, secure work with decent wages. But in the meantime, Matt and his team do an incredible job. Let's have a listen to my conversation with Matt Tilley at Food Bank Victoria.
1: On the Job with Francis Leach and Sally Rung. Matt Tilly, welcome
0: to On the Job. Look, We meet in the strangest places, but you were here at Food Bank where you're now working, like myself, giving up the bright lights and early starts of a radio career to get involved in helping people. Yeah, it's fantastic. Who knew? (laughs) <laughs> tell us about food bank and how does it work you've walked me through the warehouse it's a huge huge logistical operation i think people think food bank might, might be a sort of a few yeah. parcels here and there <laughs> We're talking- shared where you can go and
1: pick up yeah, a box of food no so well food bank itself is a federation so there's food banks in every state with independent boards and ceos uh-huh. and all that sort of stuff and then we obviously have a national body that does lobbying with the government and looks after big relationships with Coles and woolies and that sort of thing so it's a bit like federal and state governments in a way but we're you know Victoria's independent we're the oldest we've been going for 90 years and basically yeah we are massive we are the fridge and pantry for about 550 charities across the state all the charities you know I love Salvos and Vinnie's and Feed Me Bellarine or there might be family violence shelter in Mildura or you know areas that were affected by bushfire
0: Um, you know, they basically get all their food from us. So I've walked through the warehouse and as I said, it's a massive operation, logistical operation, to get food in and out of here. The system is that a charity somewhere, whether it's metropolitan Melbourne or in regional Victoria, goes online and looks at your inventory, orders what they think they need and then out it goes. Yeah, so we call it the surprise chain when we just have trucks coming
1: through here and one might be full of cream cheese, one might be full of wrapped spinach leaves for an organisation like HelloFresh or whatever and they've got two days left and they're like maybe Food Bank can use these. All kinds of stuff. We do have some relationships where we have regular donations of key staple foods like pastas and rice and stuff. But it's a mix. So, yeah, it goes online, people look at it and um, grab what they need.
0: And how many trucks are on the road?
1: You know, tonnes and tonnes a day. It's not people turning up in their cars and us saying, you know, would you you like some rice and some stuff like that. And it's all for us, it's based around getting out to the charities right at the coalface, who are seeing families every day, families who are like, we don't have anything to eat tonight, and giving them, you know, foods they recognise, healthy, fresh foods, and the dignity and respect of them being able to choose stuff and go home and cook it.
0: And similarly, the other program you run is for schools and school breakfasts.
1: Yeah, so the school breakfast program, uh, we're in partnership with the state government, Victoria, and we're in 1,015 schools. And basically, it's this fantastic little morning club where kids who come from, you know, obviously backgrounds where there isn't food at home and mum and dad don't have the capacity to, you know, give them the start to the day they need to concentrate at school, they come in, they get all this five-star rated fruit and oats and milk, but it's a club. It's often kids who come from tougher backgrounds are stigmatised. School grounds are pretty good at picking up on the kids who don't aren't doing so well and don't quite have the sneakers that everyone else does and stuff and so not only are we giving these kids something in their tummy so they can concentrate at school but we're also giving them it's a great social network for them and they're getting responsibility and all that stuff when you were the lunch monitor you felt important that, you know the kids cooking the toast and making the porridge all that its an amazing community thing and to go out and see them and you see these kids beaming and some of them you know we hear stories they just break your heart kids you know getting in trouble for having chewing gum it's not Chewing gum, miss, it's cardboard. What are you chewing cardboard for? Well mum said if I was hungry, that would make the hunger go away. And you're like, oh my God. How's that kid gonna learn and grow and and thrive? So
0: One of the things that struck me coming here was the size of the operation. And the reason why I say that is because I think most people wouldn't understand the depth of need in the community for a service like this in a country as wealthy as Australia. And we look at the unemployment rate, the unemployment rate says under 4%. And we've had previous governments saying, well, everyone should be doing just fine. But that's not the true picture of what's happening in the real world, is it?
1: No. So here in Victoria right now, we're feeding 100,000 people every two days. A hundred
0: thousand people.
1: Yeah. Obviously, Victorians only understand it in terms of MCGs full. So it's two MCGs full, one every two days. So that is a lot of people. And they're not the people that you traditionally associate with putting their hand out for food. Most of them, the new people turning up and all these charities I was telling you about before are saying that they're going from seeing 15 to 20 families a day to 40 or 50 in the last five to six weeks. And they're working families. Ah, that's such a political phrase, but mum and dad are working and they still don't have enough once heating,
0: fuel, rent, mortgage to actually go and buy good food or any food. So when we talk about the cost of living crisis, this is at the sharp end of that. This is where yeah. people tap out and say, I can't afford to feed myself.
1: Absolutely. Well, it's about the choices they have to make. And for most families it's, at the moment, it's heating or eating because you can't, I guess you can compromise on food, but your gas bill is your gas bill. You know, petrol is petrol. You've got to pay it in that moment. They're non-negotiable. So whatever's left is kind of what you have for food because that's the only place you have choice. And often people are finding, I don't even have a choice. There's nothing left. Uh, you
0: had a drive-through here at this facility where we are today, which is a warehouse, as we yeah. said. This is, not a, this is not the shop front for Food Bank. You've explained how it works. But you had a drive-in because you sensed the need. Yeah. Uh, tell us what happened that day. Well, so during the lockdowns, we had
1: a few here and we were so overwhelmed, traffic went back three kilometres at the news choppers out here and the police actually had to shut it down because they said once you're blocking the Westgate Bridge, it becomes a public safety issue. Can't do it. So we realised there's an enormous demand when we have these things, but we couldn't do it here. So we've got great partnerships with the Melbourne market and uh, with Chobani Yoga, so that's Epping and Dandenong, two pretty key areas in terms of all the research we've done around where the need is greatest set up these drive-throughs, which is a hamper of good pantry food that you'd recognise from the supermarket and fresh stuff as well. And yeah, a thousand cars turned up to each, everything we had there, gone. There was everything you could imagine. There was families living in their cars. There were people in really nice cars. We got a little bit of blowback from people saying, well, they didn't need food. Look how nice their cars are. They're going okay. But it's just a prejudice we have to overcome. They might be going okay because they've got a nice car two years ago. But if... All they could do is sell it and there'd be nothing else. They still need to get to work.
0: They still need to get to work. And I guess that's the point, isn't it? And I guess you're seeing people, as you said, who for the first time have found themselves needing a service like this. And that would be quite a shock for them, a culture shock for them and have a real impact on their well-being. Absolutely. That's 30% of the
1: people we're seeing at the moment. And it is not ridiculous to hear stories where people are truly ashamed because they've never known this. That many of them used to donate to us. They're like, I used to donate to you guys. I can't believe that I'm actually calling upon you. And we're like, well, in a way, you're doubly welcome. You know, it's the stigma that here in Australia, the land of plenty, you know, we look at similar food banks in America and it's a different culture there. People aren't uncomfortable lining up for food and things like that. Whereas our welfare system, there is still a lot of stigma. People have strong feelings about not being able to support your kids, things like that. And we just say to people, that's... Circumstances have conspired now where that's rubbish and you need to understand that we just got to put our arms around each other. And we're really big on dignity and respect is the third ingredient of the food that we have. And on top of all that now, we've got to consider cultural diversity. You know we learnt from the lockdowns that you know when there were towers in North Melbourne which had a you know strong I guess uh, makeup of people from African nations, They were just receiving meals and picking up foods. They're like, it wasn't from us. I'm just saying lots of people were doing their best. They're like, pasta means nothing to me. It's not what I eat. And in a way, you're just reminding them of the situation they're in. And we're trying to stamp that out and find appropriate food for people, you know, delivered in a way that people don't feel they have to come cap in hand. That They should feel warm and welcome and embraced.
0: You and I have both worked in an industry where, in a sense, it was a bit of a luxury to work on radio. It was fun. Yeah. Um, we are able to muck around, make some good money, have a laugh. And then you're somewhat shielded from the reality of how our audiences might have been living their lives and the challenges they face. So just on a personal level, mm. how's that been for you to sort of step out of that, that world that we both inhabited and then be here and see firsthand the real challenges working people face?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I... I... You know, I like to think that I was pretty cognizant at the time of, of, of the audience that um, listened to us. But I was also conscious of the fact that they were probably listening for a bit of escapism. So if we just tried to deal with them on their terms in their world and talk about their problems, it's not great entertainment. But I wasn't aware of it. You would have done the same. Lots of outside broadcasts. Yes. We always tried to raise money and do good and help people, you know, cynically because we thought it would boost the ratings. <laughs> but uh, I had a sense of it, but... Even people who work here can work here for a few months when you actually go out and you see people lining up at our mobile supermarkets and and the joy when they see foods and they're like, oh, my God, you've got yoghurt just like in the supermarkets. They're so grateful. It's kind of invigorating more than it fills you with
0: despair. Does it also fill you with a, a sense of? Well, it does for me. Is that sense of anger that people in Australia, working people, who are trying to do the right thing, mm-hmm. uh, trying to get a job, but they have no, they no no job security, no entitlements, no sick pay, no holiday pay. That insecure work environment leaves them just one episode. Whether it's a health episode or a job all episode. All the time. The trapdoor economy. They fall through suddenly Absolutely. at your door. Well, COVID taught us that, right? People who might have
1: had a couple of restaurants going fine, life was great, overseas holidays. The trapdoor. Suddenly, nothing. No cash, no nothing. Do we sell everything we've got? Is this it? It's those moments, those sliding door moments. And the one that I think I find the hardest to deal with is working, family, mum and dad. For whatever reason, there's a health episode, a work accident, something like that. And both of them have to stop working because one is injured or not well, and the other one becomes a primary carer of sorts. And instantly, they've gone from 100 to zero in terms of capacity to look after families, from an income perspective and a work perspective. Well, I know there's safety nets and stuff, but yeah, it's really hard. That's what I find the hardest thing is that people who are trying are not coping are not getting the help they need and not getting the food they need for their families. But still in Australia, there's this, I don't know, it's just a sort of sly wink that, yeah, really? Are you really trying? You know, the same attitude people I think have to welfare and unemployment. And we're doing our best to break that. And we feel now that people are cottoning on. Commercial news services and stuff are saying, this is the reality. You know, this isn't, I guess, you know, what traditionally I would have called those outlets would have, you know, made poverty porn. It's like, this is everyone. This is, is, as I say, it's not people on the street. It's people
0: in your street. That's a great line. And it is what it is. And I guess the only other... Real visible representation of that was at the start of the pandemic, wasn't it, when uh, everything had to close down because we were into lockdowns and people instantly lost their jobs overnight yeah. and Centrelink queues were for miles. And people went, well, these people, do they have no savings? Do they have no entitlements? And you, people realise that's the insecure work economy. That's what happens. You're working Absolutely. hand-to-hand, cash, cash-to-cash, cash cash jobs, whatever. When that goes, there's nothing.
1: Yeah, and I think for us, it's a sort of supercharged people's sensibility around what we do was when the supermarket shelves emptied, and suddenly people who still had the means were like, "What? There's no pasta. There's no toilet paper. What? What? How am I? How? What am I going to do?" And we're like, you know, for some people, that's all the time. That's the hard one for us. We say you're just three pay packets or one episode away from being someone you don't recognise.
0: Do you think you're winning the battle of hearts and minds? with the work that you're doing to change that perception of of the working poor, of people who are working but aren't making enough? Well,
1: we're not really looking to change perceptions from a sort of position of zealotry. We're wanting to change perceptions so that those that need us don't feel bad. That's the most important one. And then beyond that, we're probably wanting to change perceptions so that those who support us and donate to us have a better sense of how deep this problem is and how broad it is. Beyond that, are we looking to rattle the cage of governments and stuff? Not really because we just think it's pretty obvious and we're more interested in getting on with the business of doing what we do than banging a drum.
0: And success for you would be this place scaling down or demand dropping off?
1: I think for us, success is doing what we do better. I don't want to speak out of turn here, but I, I think there's a naivety if we start aspiring to United Nations goals to end world hunger because I just don't think it's real and I think in a way it's a bit disrespectful you're like there's not a practical approach it's a bit lofty whereas i'm like let's just roll up our sleeves and get it done for hundreds of years there's always been people who need help because they've been dealt a bit of a shit sandwich
0: and just personally i mean how have you found the change from from working in the entertainment industry in the radio industry to, to doing this kind of work what's, well, it, what's it meant to you well it's
1: been bloody handy when you need things plugged <laughs> <laughs> to <laughs> ring old mates and call in favors uh yeah, but, you know, less, less call for my impersonations and things like that than uh, there used to be. But I, look, I really enjoy it. I enjoy it because I, I don't know, maybe, not from an egocentric point of view, but I always used to think that, you know, when you're in entertainment, people tend to think you're a one-trick pony or what they hear is what you are and stuff. I was like, nah, I'd like to think I can have a broader perspective on life and try new things.
0: Well, you're doing that. You're doing it. I way, that, Tony. Thanks for being with us. Oh, mate, it's
1: been my pleasure. it be great to catch up.
0: acting CEO at the time at Food Bank in Victoria. Outstanding bloke. He's doing great work at that organisation. And that's our latest edition of the Summer Pod. Hope you've enjoyed the conversation and got something out of it. Don't forget to give us a rating. Uh, share the info and inspiration with your friends. Tell them about the pod. And we'll catch you on the next edition of On The Job. Bye for now.